Michael Myers burning up in that car. And a lot of other kids are going to be slaughtered tonight. He's dead. I saw him. He's all right in a mask. It was him. I want to believe you, but I got to be sure. I can't stop until I'm certain that he's dead. You're talking about him like he's some kind of animal. It was my... Would you keep him back? He was my patient for 15 years. It became an obsession with me until I realized that there was nothing within him, neither conscience nor reason that wasn't even remotely human. An hour ago, I stood up and, and fired six shots into him. He just got up and walked away. I am talking about the real possibility that he is still out there. Podcast is your host with the most, Mike Macmasunas. How's everybody doing today? I'm doing great. I'm telling you, I'm feeling real good. I'm so happy to be talking some Halloween 2 today. I know that you just got a new episode like two days ago where I reviewed the first one, John Carpenter's Halloween. But you know what I thought? Hey, it's the weekend. I promised you guys two episodes this week, so I wanted to get the second episode out to you uh, as, as early as possible. So I am pretty pumped. I got a lot of emails, the most emails I have ever gotten on a single on any episode that I've ever recorded, and I am super pumped to talk about what they had to say and just a couple things that happened with the last episode. But before we go ahead and get into all that good stuff, let's go ahead and get into some movie and music news. event that's happened this week is the fact that uh, Steve Jobs died and if you are not familiar with who that is Steve Jobs is the guy behind Apple I mean he's basically our Albert Einstein of of our century I mean the guy created the iPod and the iPhone the iPad I mean he's the, the reason why we have the technology that we do today and all of the all of the great tools and toys and uh, he was just an amazing uh, amazing inventor and he was 56 years old died of pancreatic cancer it's such a horrible um, sad time for this week but in movie related news he's also uh, the force behind Pixar and if you don't know Pixar I mean we're talking some Monsters Inc we're talking Finding Nemo 
Uh, I mean, the great Pixar movies, I mean, Steve Jobs is the guy that you need to thank for that. And it's such a sad time. Um, I'm really wondering, um, since he's passed, what's going to happen in regards to Apple, in regards to new toys and, and everything like that. I'm sure he's given them his ideas of what he wants to be invented. And, I mean, he kind of knew that it wasn't looking too good. But it, it's such a sad, sad time. So I'm sure you've heard about this news, but just in case you weren't aware, I wanted to throw that out there. Really, really sad. So, um, other interesting news. Uh, would you pay 60 bucks to see a new Eddie Murphy movie? The reason why I ask is you actually have a chance to see Tower Heist weeks before it actually releases and you get to see it at home. You know, cable companies nowadays, they try to do the whole same day as, uh, you know, as the theater. And uh, that's what they have, his new movie, Tower Heist. Um, you can actually check it out now. Pretty excited to see how this movie turns out. Uh, it's gonna, it's got uh, Ben Stiller in it, which I'm not a big fan of Ben Stiller, but I've seen the previews, it looks really good, and I'm hoping that it's gonna be a good comeback vehicle for Eddie Murphy, because I'll tell you, he's been out of spotlight too long, and I love that guy. Um, please come back to his setting, that's all I gotta say. Uh, if you know who Charles Napier is, um, he, is 70, he was 75 years old, he passed away. Uh, he's made a lot of different movies. Uh, he appeared in Silence of the Lambs, uh, Grifters, Rambo, uh, so many different movies. Uh, he was never, he's more like a character actor kind of thing, but uh, I'm sure if you just type in his name, you see his face, you're going to know who I'm talking about. So, also, if you are a fan of the Die Hard series, which who isn't, I actually enjoy Die Hard 4. But Mary Elizabeth Weinstead, who was uh, John McClane's daughter in Part 4, says that she will not be in Die Hard 5. So, kind of a bummer there because, you know, I like to see characters come back. And uh, in regards to the reasons why, it's kind of vague. But, you know, it, it is what it is. What can you do? So, uh, you guys should check over at moviehold.net because one of the very um, newest articles is about Joel Schumacher's um, talk, uh, Batman Triumphant, year one. You know, where he wanted to get Nicolas Cage a scarecrow, where he basically, what he would have done with the rest of the film franchise after Batman and Robin. Pretty interesting article. I think you guys should check it out. I think you might like it. So, regards to uh, music news, a uh, lot of great CDs are coming out. Uh, we're talking some Evanescence is coming out. Uh, Chris Daughtry's new CD is coming out. Uh, Chris Daughtry, actually, I'm a huge fan of. He has an exclusive song on Batman Arkham City soundtrack. That is currently out this week on iTunes. Uh, so I'm actually getting it because I pre-ordered the game, the special edition, so I get it free. Uh, with I don't I guess not free. I've already paid for it. The amount of extra money you have to come up with, but I'm actually getting that. Uh, when the movie, when the game comes out on the 18th, so I'm kind of pumped. And uh, he's had uh, Renegade released to rock radio, and if you pre-order the album, you get that song. 
uh, along with his new song Crawling Back to You, pretty good stuff. That's on iTunes as well. We have Kelly Clarkson's new CDs coming out. Um, so, the, uh, but the Evanescence one I'm pretty excited about. I've heard the single, good stuff, and uh, they always make good music. So I am super excited with the music. Uh, coming out and what I'm doing is at the end of the year uh, for December I'm going to do like one or two Christmas movies and then I'm going to do my top 10 movies of 2011 and then the next episode will be top 10 uh, music uh, favorite songs of 2011 so I'm pretty excited for those shows and uh, I'll kind of cover you know movies that uh, came out in 2011 or uh, movies that I just saw in 2011 so maybe they came out towards the end of 2010 but I didn't get a chance to see it till the beginning you know uh, I'm not gonna say these movies strictly came out in 2011 because I have like one or two that were late 2010 that I creeped in 2011 because I couldn't see in the theater but I saw on DVD so that's just kind of I'll, I'll go more into details when that comes out but uh, that's pretty much it for movie and music news this week. So let's go ahead and get into the review of Halloween 2. I shot him six times. I shot him in the heart. He's not human. Universal Pictures presents Halloween 2. More of the night he came home. Who's it? Within him, neither conscience nor reason that wasn't even remotely human. <laughs> Some kind of a joke. I've been trigger treated to death tonight. You don't know what death is. <laughs> Janet, go tell Mr. Garrett we're having trouble with the phones. There is no place to hide. He will always find you. <laughs> What's this? It's a Celtic word. It means the Lord of the Dead. talking some Halloween 2 and no I'm not talking the Rob Zombie 2007 trash I'm talking 1981 sequel to John Carpenter's 1978 Halloween now this movie I flippin dig love Um, this is one sequel that is I can't say that this movie is better than the original 
nothing will be better than the original in this series. But this movie is as close as you're going to get to the original. Number one, we have the same writer on the script, which is John Carpenter, Deborah Hill. We have the same producers, which is John Carpenter and Deborah Hill. And the music is done by John Carpenter, which is kind of funny. I, I have to admit, the theme song to Halloween is iconic. But the theme song for Halloween 2 that was pretty much remade by John Carpenter, it's pretty much uh, it, it's an organ versus a piano. But it gives it a more gothic sound. And I have to admit, I dig the Halloween 2 version than I do the original. It's just so much creepier, I'll tell you. When I was a kid, man, when this particular, like, the credits open up, man, freaked me out even more than part one. I flippin' love the music. And even the score, the original score used in the first movie, he actually redid. Um, it, he's also associated uh, with Alan uh, Holworth. So he kind of took over later on in the series, like, four and five and stuff. He pretty much would just take what John Carpenter did and, re and make it his own. But... John Carpenter pretty much just added a couple things here and there, but pretty much used organ instead of piano, giving it a more gothic sound. So it was pretty flippin' amazing. Um, the movie was uh, on a budget of $2.5 million, so obviously way more money than the original, because again, the original was like 300000 this is $2.5 million. And you can tell. I mean, the one great thing about the first one is, again, it said it was simple, but the uh, the lighting was so was so good and in this movie the lighting is I would say more brighter than it was in the first one like the first one has a more raw type of feeling versus this one is definitely more production based but it's not nearly as good looking as the later sequels like Halloween 4 looks flipping amazing in regards to lighting and everything but I definitely love the lighting effect of part two it it gives you as close to part one as you're going to get i mean number one you have the the point of view right from the beginning I mean, this movie picks up the second of part one and i think very few films if not this may be one of the only that pick up exactly the second of the original movie which is flipping amazing now the movie starts off with the creepy mr sandman song i have to admit after i heard this flipping song i cannot hear this song without thinking of michael myers i know this song has pretty much nothing to do with halloween but that's kind of why it works because it's such a random song to use in a movie like this that after you hear it that's all you associate is uh is that song now let's talk about the directing now John Carpenter did not direct this film. Rick Rosenthal did, which he would later on come back into the series and do Halloween Resurrection, but I'll talk about that later. John Carpenter was pretty much, look, I already directed this movie. I don't want to direct it again. He did direct the additional scenes of the film because one thing you got to know, this is kind of... Uh, how everything starts with sequels is it ups the ante, okay? We have uh, way more violence than we ever had in the first one, more gore. And that's kind of what John Carpenter, he thought people wanted to see was more gore, which I think, and originally from what I have seen in interviews, is that Rick Rosenthal did not have the amount of gore that was shown in this film that was all John Carpenter. Uh, he's the one that thought we needed more blood, more gore kind of thing. But uh, I would say there's certain parts, though, that feel that John Carpenter did. For example, there's one scene in the film 
where a nurse is checking on a doctor and he has a needle in his eye, which, okay, that's definitely gore. But when she backs up, we get the same lighting effect of when Lori, uh, of when Michael Myers comes out of the shadows behind Lori, then stabs her in the arm with a knife. So that scene, I'm like, I don't know if John Carpenter did that one, but if he did, it's pretty flipping awesome. So, as I said, uh, it's a 1981 um, second installment to the series. Uh, again, it was written by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, direct sequel to the first film. And as I was telling you before, originally Michael Myers and Laurie Stroh were to have no relation. It was just basically, you know, a guy stalking babysitters. But due to the movie hitting TV and having to film additional scenes and they're working on part two and since John Carpenter was writing this film and he was drunk and he said you know what I'll just make a brother and sister and then that's how he wrote the idea for this film uh, this movie's pretty simple uh, I mean it, it's really simple it's basically Laurie's uh, in a hospital pretty much drugged up for the I'd say 95% of the film and Michael Myers is in the hospital trying to find her while Loomis and the cops are all around town thinking Michael Myers is in town and they have no idea he's in the hospital and it's basically a showdown at the end between Laurie, Loomis and Michael Myers and then the movie gets over and pretty much we then move on to a sequel after this that had nothing to do with Michael Myers because basically what John Carpenter's idea was is that uh, he's like, my intention was to create an anthology out of the series. He wanted to do like sort of the lines along Night Gallery or Twilight Zone on a much larger scale. Basically, every year do a new film that would be released to focus on some aspect of the Halloween season. Uh, I'll get more into the detail on Halloween 3, but that's basically his intention when he wrote the film is that he was going to end the Michael Myers Laurie Strode, Dr. Loomis story and be done with it. There was no intention to bring Michael Myers back, which is why when he's burning, that's it, he's dead. Loomis blows up, he's dead, and Laurie is basically left to go the rest of her life and be crazy. So let's get into the uh, this the beginning of the film. So as I said, it picks up right, well, I shouldn't say it it's, picks up right after because we give you kind of a Karate Kid 2 which eventually uh, Karate Kid I guess would steal from this where they basically recap the end of the movie for you to remind those people that haven't seen it that hey look this is what happened but they pretty much show the exact same things that happened when Michael Myers gets up and starts to attack Glory but they play the different the newer type music but the thing that's reshot is when Loomis shoots Michael Myers this time, instead of shooting him six times, he shoots him seven times. Big movie mistake, okay? You actually see Michael Myers fall off the balcony, and that's it. So the, instead of, was that the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was. He looks out the window, and he's not there. Instead, you see Loomis open the door. He sees uh, basically the outline of Michael Myers in the grass. Puts his hand there. There's blood. Next door neighbor comes out. And they have a nice exchange of words, how you don't know what death is. We get the cooler, new, better theme song. And then right away, you're in the point of view of Michael Myers, just like in the first one. And this time, uh, you know, he's wounded. Uh, you see Loomis, and Loomis is definitely crazier in this one. In the first one, he's more calm. In this one, he's not full-blown crazy like he becomes in the later sequels. He's just... I think more in shock that, you know, you see Michael Myers look down an alleyway. There's Loomis getting into the cop car saying, I shot him six times. He's not human. 
and then Michael Myers uh, actually goes into this old couple's house because what's he need? He needs a flipping knife. Uh, but the cool thing is, um, this lady's making a sandwich. Michael Myers sees the knife, and the lady didn't mess with them. You know, she was too busy checking on her husband who fell asleep watching TV. But of course, a news report comes up explaining how you know the kids have basically been murdered in their hometown and all Michael Myers does is take the knife and walk out. But of course when she goes to check on the knife, uh, she turns around and there's a big pile of blood there because again, Michael Myers was shot so of course he's going to leave blood behind. Now let's talk about Michael Myers. Michael Myers is stiff. I mean Michael Myers is so stiff, I'm thinking Cameron from Ferris Bueller, stick a coal up his rear end, that's how tight and stiff this guy is, okay? He's played by uh, a stuntman, uh, and he does a way better job in uh, Halloween 2, it's played by Dick Warlock, and uh, for some reason, man, he's so much better in Halloween 4 than he is in Part 2. Uh, he's just so stiff when he walks, you know? I mean, when Michael Myers walked in the first one, he walked normal. But this guy is just stiff. I, I can't put it any any other way. Just the fact that he's stiff. But he gets the job done. Okay, let's talk about the mask. The mask is... Okay, this is the best the mask is ever going to look for the rest of this series. The rest of this series, you're... Like Halloween 4, horrible mask. Horrible absolutely atrocious that mask is horrible i can't stand the mask in halloween 4 halloween 4 would be such a great movie if the mask didn't suck so bad um halloween 5 the neck is too big um and, and the other movies i'll talk about a little bit later but this is the best mask you're gonna get because supposedly it's the original mask from the original movie but the problem is the hair looks a little too different i guess it's more the fact that it's combed uh, you know, in the first one, it's kind of messy. In this one, when he's walking around for the majority of the time, his hair is combed. But in other scenes, the hair is messy like it was in part one. But if this is a recreate of the original mask, it's excellent. I believe it's the original mask from part one. The only difference is, is Michael Myers in part one, you never saw his eyes. Versus in this one, you see the eyes. You see Dick Warlock's eyes. But that's fine. You know, it gives it a little bit more... Um, it kind of takes a little bit away from the devil incarnate, but towards the end of the film, you don't flip and see his eyes. So it works. Okay, I dig it. So basically, uh, after Michael Myers gets his knife, he's walking, and this young girl comes out. Now, here's the thing. Did the girl get in Michael Myers' way? No. But what does Michael Myers do? He flip and goes in her house, waits for the right moment, and he doesn't choke her. Michael Myers changes his game plan around. What does he do? He flippin' stabs her in the neck, okay? And this time you see blood go across her face, so you're like, okay, they're kind of up in the ante here, which is fine, I guess. So uh, after that, Laurie Strode is sent to the hospital. Now, Jamie Lee Curtis is obviously back, but uh, she's wearing a horrible wig. Um, I mean, there's a lot of mistakes in this movie. It's an excellent sequel. It's one of my favorite sequels to a series, but there's a lot of mistakes in the film. Uh, some mistakes that are just unforgivable, unlike part one where I gave uh, I gave forgiveness to those scenes in part one. There's some of the things I just can't do. Number one, the dude didn't shoot him six times, he shot him seven times. So you should have used the same footage you used in part one instead of refilming it and shooting him seven times. That's one problem I have with. Uh, the stiffness is another thing. Um, uh, but... So Lori is basically picked up. You get the introduction of what's going to be 
kind of her the man that likes her is Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy is played by a Lance Guest who, if you've seen Jaws the Revenge, he plays Mike Brody in that film. Uh, he's really cool in this film. He's basically a paramedic. He's basically, I think he's always had feelings for because this is a small town that we're dealing with. And uh, after they stick her in the ambulance, that's when uh, that's when things start to get very interesting. Okay, so after Lori is basically picked up, taken to the hospital, we see her um, in the ambulance. She pulls into the hospital and she's begging and pleading that they don't put her to sleep because, you know, they need to check her out. Now, in the TV edition, because I don't actually have the TV edition on DVD, but on Blu-ray they just came out, they have a TV version. And the TV version, surprisingly, which is kind of weird, they actually show them undressing her versus in the theatrical version, they don't show them undressing her. So you would think for a TV version, you wouldn't want to show her taking her shirt off and just being in her bra. So I just thought that it was odd that they showed her being undressed in a TV version, but in the theatrical version, they don't do that. So I just thought that was kind of ass backwards, if you want to put it in a different way. Uh, Very weird. But anyways, after... And you get Dr. Mixter. He's basically the only doctor in the flippin' hospital. Now, let, let me make a few things clear. I'm in a small town currently, uh, where I live. There's only 25,000 people here. Now we only have one hospital and the hospital is pretty big. I'd say it's about the same size of the one that's in the movie. Now I've been, I've had to stay overnight at this hospital a couple times. Now I can't actually speak for the fact that a lot of people's problems with this film is the fact of the hospital has no lights and there's no patients there. Uh, the one thing I can say is that the light thing does actually happen. What they do is um, at a certain time, I believe it's after 10, 30, 11 o'clock, what they do is they dim the lights. They have the regular emergency lights. And for certain sections of the hospital, they don't shut those lights off. But for like the patient hallways and stuff, they will dim those. And it's almost like they're turned off. So just depending on the angle you're at, it could look like it's completely off. But there's definitely patients in every Fripplin room. So that's the one thing the movie does get wrong is the fact of there's like no patients. Now, uh, if you want to stretch the movie out, you could give the movie this, that they're, that Lori's on a certain floor like every hospital has. They have a certain level, emergency, you know, critical, the people, the, you know, the the what's the word I'm looking for? You know, when a lady's given birth, I can't remember the actual name of that level, but in uh, that area is definitely secured where you can't enter after certain hours and you need uh, basically permission to get in. That, that level is always secure, but uh, I definitely disagree with the fact that there wouldn't be no patients there. But if you just want to say that this all takes place on like the fifth floor and Michael Myers doesn't mess with anybody else. I guess you could give the movie that. They don't go into it. So whatever. Um, so after Lori is basically given the... Which, man, they give her this nasty needle injection and blood starts to come out. Freaks me out, okay? If I see blood in real life, I pass out. I can handle horror movies, no problem. But if I see blood in real life, I am a goner. So after they show you the scene of Lori basically being sedated, knocked out... 
we get the Loomis and Sheriff Brackett. Now, uh, Sheriff Brackett, it's kind of funny. In the credits, they have Donald Pleasance, Jamie Lee Curtis, and then it says starring Charles Cipher, which Charles Cipher is, doc- is um, Sheriff Brackett. Now, it's kind of funny because it's a stretch to say he's in the movie for more than five minutes. He's basically in the movie to say, Loomis, you're crazy. You didn't shoot the guy six times. And uh, now I got to find my daughter. And that's it. I'm gone. Because basically what happens is Loomis is trying to tell him he's not human. He's pure evil. I can't believe it. You know, there's no way you shot him six times. And what do they do? They see Michael Myers. And this is the first of the full juice scene. It's basically this guy who's holding trick-or-treat bag dressed in the Michael Myers uh, mask. Now, the outfit is questionable and debatable. You could say he's in the same jumper suit, but to me it looked more like a bluish jacket than it does the actual jumper suit. But, And you can't say, well, why were they selling the Michael Myers mask? Well, you know what? Uh... It just happened a couple hours ago. There's no way that they're going to pull all this mask off the shelf that time, especially at like 11, 30, 12 o'clock at night, okay? But basically what happens is, is you think it's Michael Myers and Dr. Loomis pulls out his gun. He's Sheriff Brackett's trying to stop him from shooting him. And what happens? You get the fastest speeding cop car in all of small town history. The speed limit's 30 miles an hour, and the dude's probably doing 60, 75, slams into him, and flipping hits a truck. Now, here's the thing. Big screw-up. When he gets hit, and it just magically explodes, uh, the body, because, uh, you know, his legs are smashed, so from his stomach up, uh, he his head hits the hood, and you hear a big old, you know, you hear the big old clunk. The next second after they show him burning... His body is now positioned back up. Major screw up there, okay? Bad editing. But it's basically, you know, is it him? Is it him? And how's Dr. Loomis supposed to know it's flipping him? But you know what? Dr. Loomis almost went psycho. He almost shot somebody. Uh, and this is kind of where he's starting to try to take control of himself. So we get the, uh, we get his deputy pulls up and just says, hey, one of the girls found that was slaughtered was Annie and I really like the fact that they brought back Nancy Loomis granted all she's supposed to do is just lay there with her eyes open and Sheriff Brackett what he does is he closes her eyes and puts the little white sheet over her and just says I need to go tell my wife before somebody else does I like the fact that she came back just for that scene instead of them just saying it's her and not show her face it it gives a nice touch and he starts to yell at Dr. Loomis how the fact he let him out and Dr. Loomis trying to stick up for himself and say, I didn't let him out. I tried to warn everybody. So after after Sheriff Brackett leaves, which you won't see him again for the rest of the film, we get the new, I guess you could say, he's the Sheriff Brackett of part two. He's basically... um, he and, th- and he's actually more helpful where he wants to help Loomis you know prove that what what can I do to help you and he goes the, he's dead I saw him die he goes you know what I can't be sure of it we need to find out for sure and the only way to do that is dental records and so they go to get that tested and then you're basically back in the hospital for Michael Myers to um, do his little damage and uh basically get into it what you're going to find out through the rest of the film uh michael myers will slowly take out stuff you know you have the phone lines taken out then you uh, eventually uh he'll take out one person one by one 
to where the only person that's left is Lori. Now you're probably wondering how the hell does Michael Myers know that Lori's at the hospital? Well, what happens is is when Michael Myers is basically, I would say, Main Street, because in my town, the street that Michael Myers is on is kind of what we call Main Street. And uh, there's this kid holding a boombox, which is actually di- the director's son. And the guy on the radio is saying how there was one survivor and she was taken to uh, Haddonfield Memorial. And that's when Michael Myers begins to walk to the hospital. So that's how Michael Myers knows that uh, that Lori is there. So we get Pamela Shoup. And Pamela Shoup uh, is flipping awesome because she plays a nurse and she is the one nurse that you actually like. Now, here's why I love Pamela Shoup. She's from Knight Rider, okay? If you've ever seen the first episode of Knight Rider, she is the girl that helps Michael Knight take out Comtron. Uh, she, you know, she, sl- she takes her car and slams in the kid. Her bumper falls off. She goes to a racetrack with Michael. Uh, she has a boy named Buddy. And then she actually returns in season four in the uh, in the very in the season premiere. She plays a totally different character, but she's back in Knight Rider again. She plays a much more likable person in Knight Rider Four. So I flip and love her, and I knew her from Knight Rider. So when I saw her in this movie, I was like, sweet. And then being a kid, and then I saw her naked, I was like, wow, this movie just got so much better. But you know that that's another story. Uh, but she's very likable. Uh, she is uh, basically in charge of the kids, but she was late, so she got yelled at. Uh, you know, of course, she would be yelled at because being 15 minutes late could be a life or death situation for somebody. And uh, she has this real arrogant uh, boyfriend, I guess you would say. And they have this real funny conversation when you first meet him. He's basically uh, Jimmy's um, Jimmy's paramedic, his buddy is also the other paramedic but he's just a real jerk and when they're having a when they're all sitting in the cafeteria watching this and uh one of the other nurses starts talking about how her friend saw Michael Myers and he's like she's full of crap and she starts yelling about how much he swears and just everything you ever say is either hell s or you know damn and he's like I'm sorry I just f up all the time you know it's kind of a real subtle funny scene and um, and that's kind of where you get his his demeanor that he's kind of the jerk of the movie. But uh, they have a pretty cool death scene because when those two actually hook up, Michael Myers, they, they go to this like hot tub thing. And what does Michael Myers do? He flip and turns it up to scolding hot. So when they're trying to make out and she tells him that it's flipping hot in here, he goes, it's cold out there. And she goes, it can get cold in here. So when he gets out, of course, you see him naked, which, you know, they, they got to do that for the ladies. As he goes in to turn it down, what does Michael Myers do? He chokes him because Michael Myers is what, people? He's a choker. Uh, but this time he actually uses like a wire. Now, you can't actually see him because he's behind, you know, that glass that uh, you can't see. You can see outside, but you can't really see you know, you can be on the outside and can't really see on the inside. It's just more like shadows. But you can tell Michael Myers is choking him with something. So when Michael Myers comes out, we see the first female contact he's probably ever going to have the whole rest of the series. He puts his hands on Pamela Shoup's shoulder and pretends to be the other guy. But when he gets pissed off, he takes her head, sticks it in the scolding water, and her face melts off. Flippin' amazing special effects. Good stuff. And I assume uh, this is John Carpenter's stuff because it's, you know, the way it's filmed, it looks excellent. And uh, the mask looks great in the in the light. Good times. 
And uh, then Dr. Loomis, when they go back to him, uh, he actually goes to the school because Michael Myers broke into a school and he wrote Sam Hain on, uh, on an elementary school chalkboard. And he actually, what happened is it was his school, basically. And uh, he found a picture of Judith Myers in the same classroom. And what he did is he took a knife and put it through her picture. That's kind of what you got to kind of put together. But uh, the uh, nurse from Halloween 1, the one that was uh, driving Loomis to pick up Michael Myers and the one that Michael Myers attacked and then stole their car, she actually comes back, which is really, really cool. Again, they didn't recast. It was really nice to see her. And she basically tells Dr. Loomis that he has to come back and he's being ordered to come back because of what happened and the fact that he broke loose and he shot him and he still got away. And there's a flipping marshal outside to make sure he gets escorted back. He's got to go back to Smith's Grove, basically. Well, what will happen is is that in this um, during this card ride, he is going to be told how there is a secret file. Like... Oh, I can't believe they never showed you the file. And he goes, what file? He goes, I know everything. And that's where John Carpenter's story of Michael Myers being Laurie Strode's sister comes into play. Because basically, you find out that after Michael Myers killed his sister, two years later, they had a new baby, which, you know, parents that lose children, um, you know, after some time of coping, will want to not replace a child, because you can never replace a child, but... They'll want to, as comfort, they'll want to try again and, you know, try to have joy again in their life. And there's nothing wrong with that. People do it all the time. Uh, I, I know I would do that. And uh, so no problems there. That's totally plausible plot line, good times. So basically two years later, um, after they had Lori, what they did is they gave her up for adoption. Uh, and the Strode family adopted Lori. And uh, Michael Myers, Michael Myers just knows that it's his sister. Um, they don't get into how Michael Myers knows it's his sister. You're supposed to go along, go along with the fact that he knows that it's his sister. Loomis puts it together. That's why he's been here the whole time. That's why he attacked this girl. And uh, and when she tells him that Lori's at the hospital, that's what Loomis says. Look, we need to go back to the hospital. Of course, the state marshal doesn't want to go back. What does Loomis do? Being the ballsy guy he is, he pulls out his gun, he flippin' shoots the window, and says, turn this car around, turns the car around, and they head back to the hospital. Now, in the meantime, we get some excellent, excellent scenes of Lori running away from Michael Myers. Um, but before she does that, she does actually have dreams, remembering that her mom said, you know, you're not my daughter, and she would go visit a boy in a mental hospital, well, in a hospital, which you would put together as Michael Myers and that's kind of psychologically she's trying to she's remembering that Michael Myers is her brother and um, what happens is is you know Michael Myers uh, I should say Jimmy actually tells Lori who he is because um, before things get crazy before people start really dying he explains to her the guy on the TV and he tells her that it's Michael Myers and, and she goes the guy that killed his little sister the guy that killed his sister the little kid that killed his sister and she goes I thought he was locked away and he goes no he escaped that's the guy who was after you so after that is told to her and then she has a bad reaction to the medication it's kind of like she's in a 
a, a comatose state. That's when she starts to have the memories of visiting Michael Myers and starts to put it together. So when Lori realizes Michael is after her and we get a really cool Michael Myers walks in her room, stabs the bed, and of course it's pillows because Lori has already wake, woken up and, and taken off. So when Michael Myers finally finds her, we get really excellent stuff because keep in mind, after falling down the stairs in the first one, she has a cracked leg, uh, like a cracked bone. Uh, it's kind of like, uh, kind of above her calf almost. So they didn't put a cast on it because the doctor, the real drunk doctor, wanted to wait till the next day to put a cast on it. So that's why she's walking around with no cast. No problem. So far, as I said, the plot's pretty simple. Not a real, not too many plot holes. Actually, there's no plot holes and the time frames are pretty good. There's just a lot of movie mistakes, I should say. So, excellent scene of Michael Myers basically going after Lori because when she sees him, he starts to chase her. She goes down the stairs. And now this scene is, looks cool, but wouldn't work. They show Michael Myers walking down the stairs, walking down the stairs slowly, but he's looking straight. He's not actually looking down. I'm kind of like, dude, aren't you gonna fall down the stairs? So, anyways, he's walking down the stairs, and again, that's Michael Myers' thing. He walks, and uh, Lori starts to escape through some tunnels and stuff. But the coolest thing, uh, we had to get this really cool elevator scene where she presses the elevator. She's in basically the basement of the hospital. She hits the elevator button for the elevator to come down. Of course, you know how elevators are. They're always slow. Even from the 80s until today, elevators are still flipping slow. And Michael Myers is slowly walking, slowly walking, slowly walking. And Lori gets in the elevator just in time for the door to close before Michael Myers can stick his hand through. And he just actually gets his knife. Well, it's more of a scalpel, really. And uh, he sticks his hand in there, but it's... He doesn't get in there far enough where the door would open again. It actually closes and it opens to the other side of the elevator. So she tries to escape. And what Michael Myers did is he took out everybody's tires so that way they couldn't escape. And uh, she goes into uh, a car to, to hide out. And uh, Jimmy earlier went to check on somebody and his boss, the real jerk, uh, she actually got her blood drained out and he slipped on her blood and cracked it cracked the back of his head so he has a major concussion and the car that Lori happened to go into is Jimmy's car and when he sticks the keys in to start the car up for them to take off he passes out and his head goes on the horn and of course the horn's just blaring and blaring and blaring Lori freaks out of course takes his head off uh, off of the horn and she what she does is she waits until um, Dr. Loomis shows up because well, she hears a car pull up, and it's Dr. Loomis and the marshal and the nurse. They go inside the hospital. I mean, of course, they're walking, and Lori, being so scared, can't say the word help too loud. You only hear her say help, and it's really low. And by the time she says it loud enough, they've already closed the door. Well, guess what? Michael Myers shows up in the corner, and we get really cool music, you know, the Halloween theme, while Lori's trying to run away from him, and she's banging on the door, banging on the door, banging on the door, and the marshal gets in, comes to the door just in time, let Lori in, and locks the door, Loomis shows up, and what does Michael Myers do? He flipping walks through the glass door, flipping awesome. And I do have to say, when Michael Myers is walking this time after Lori, 
He looks good. He doesn't look stiff. I would say the second half of the movie, Michael Myers is definitely walking way better than he was in the beginning. And that stiffness that he had, he looks just like um, looks just like Nick Castle did in the first one. He looks he looks excellent. So I totally dig the way Michael Myers is walking in the later part of the film, especially towards the end when he's walking after Laurie. It's good stuff. So basically, Doctor Loomis shoots him. Uh, he shoots him like I don't know four or five times, and the uh, and the marshal basically looks over his body, thinks he's dead, and Loomis is like, dude, he's not dead. He doesn't say dude, but he's like, you know, he's not dead. He's still breathing. He goes, he's dead. And what does Michael Myers do? Sits up and takes his scalpel and just slices the dude's neck. So basically, Doctor Loomis and Laurie. They they run off. They try to find a room to go into. And uh, what do they do? They go into a room. They lock it. And it actually has all the gases um, that you don't want to have in a room with you. And uh, I forgot to mention this. But um, what happens is, is Loomis actually gets a lighter. And how he does it is, is when the cop um, was talking to Dr. Loomis and he pulls out a cigarette. Uh, Dr. Loomis takes a cigarette. And when he was holding up his lighter for him to take a, to have a light, Dr. Loomis didn't have a cigarette in his hand, so he gave him the lighter. And that's how Dr. Loomis has the lighter uh, in this scene. Because as a kid, I was like, how the heck did he get a lighter? But actually, when when I was paying close attention, I found, I, I found that scene. So, so what happens is, is they get locked in the room, and Dr. Loomis gives Lori the gun. Uh, a gun, I should say, a gun. Um, and Lori doesn't want to touch it. And when Michael Myers starts to bang on the door, he busts in. First thing he does, he turns his head, sees Dr. Loomis, and he stabs him right in the flipping stomach. Dr. Loomis goes down. So Lori sees Michael Myers walking again, walking real slow, and just says, Michael. And Michael Myers stops, and he turns his head like he did in part one, when he stabbed the guy on the wall and then he continues to walk now we get Lori who is a crack shot she flipping shoots a bullet goes right in his eye shoots another bullet goes right in his other eye and we get blood going down his flipping face okay plausible no way there's no way somebody has never shot a gun is going to flip and shoot a guy in the eye and then shoot the other bullet in his eye but you know what you've gone so far into this film that you're going to give the movie that because you know what it's earned it at this point okay you're going to go with the fact of lori can pull this off because you know what when you're in shock you do things you know parents pick up flipping cars when their kids are stuck in it you know it's just there's unexplained phenomenon and you know what if probably you were in this situation you could probably pull it off too okay but anyways she suits michael myers in the flipping face and we really cool effect of the blood going down his mask looks awesome he starts to swing his arms around which i just watched scream 4 and the scene where um there's a scene where anthony anderson spoiler alert he gets he gets killed which if you didn't tell that from the previews but he gets a knife in his forehead as ridiculous as that is he's actually swinging his his arm around like he's Mike, like he's Michael Myers with like the blood all over his face and he's swinging it and it it reminded me so much of that scene that when I saw it I was like oh my god you're ripping off Halloween too but uh, tangent aside here so basically after Michael Myers is swinging 
Dr. Loomis gets up and tells Lori that, you know, go on, get out of here. And because Dr. Loomis starts to turn on all the gas that's in the room. And uh, and what does he do? He says, it's time, Michael. He flipping puts the lighter on and it blows up. Okay. The room explodes. It explodes so bad. The doors go flying and Lori, you know, Lori's she doesn't go flying but she's already far away enough where the impact doesn't bother her and we get Michael Myers walking out and of course he's in uh, you know a body suit you know a fire protection suit which is fine you know no big deal and he walks out and you're like oh my god the dude will never die and he falls to the ground and uh, and that's it so so here's the thing um, Loomis is dead Michael Myers is dead Lori is taken into a new ambulance going to a new hospital now if you've seen the tv version of this film um you actually find out that uh jimmy is still alive because he's actually in the back of the ambulance with her and she just starts crying and just saying we made it you know we made it because it starts to, there's movement in the ambulance she thinks it's michael myers and it's jimmy with the big bandage around his head and they start crying and everything's good. But in the theatrical DVD version, you just see Lori with a straight face and they start playing Mr. Sma- Mr. Sandman. And then they cut back to Michael Myers' face uh, burning. So that's basically it. That was the premise of John Carpenter's vision was to was to kill Michael Myers, kill Loomis, and call it a day. Supposedly, in part four, Loomis didn't explode. Even though his face is burnt up, uh, he doesn't have body parts just hanging off. His body is actually all together. So I'll get into that when I talk some Halloween 4 because what I'm going to do is is um, I'm going to talk, obviously I've talked part 1, I've just talked part 2, and then the next episode is going to be H2O, which will be the Laurie Stroh trilogy. And then I'm going to do one episode where I cover the rest of the Halloween series, kind of like the Jamie Lloyd trilogy where I'm going to talk Halloween 4, Halloween 5, and then Halloween 6. And then I'll touch briefly on Resurrection, just the overall thoughts and and concerns there. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be a good time. So even though, because part 1, 2, and H2O needed their own episode versus the rest of the trilogy, um, there are, you know, I 4 is the best out of 4, 5, and 6. Um, but um, I don't want to spend a whole episode on four and a whole episode on five and six when I can pretty much do it all in one episode because there's only certain good things about four, five, and six and there's a lot of bad things. Four is definitely the best. If you're going to watch any of them, you want to watch four. But I'll get into that in a little bit. So basically they have a body count and if you go back and you name all the people that was killed in the movie, Loomis would be part of that plan. So so that's basically it for Halloween 2. Excellent Excellent film. So here's the thing. Um, And again, this is one of the best sequels that has ever followed the original, um, especially in horror movies, you know. Um, Good stuff. I mean, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, totally cannot stand that movie. Friday 13th 2 is way better uh, than Part 1. But uh, Halloween 2 does an excellent job. Now, as far as rating-wise go... This movie is one star lower than the original because of the problems that it had. Again, you know, I was talking about how, you know, seven times, real stiff. Um, 
Let's see, we have the whole fact of the hospital. I can deal with the lights, but the fact that there's no patients there. They, there was only one kid earlier that basically had a razor blade. Uh, like you've been into an Apple and Urban Legend, there's going to be a razor blade in there. Uh, that was kind of a cool scene. Um, but, uh, you know, just... And then the overall uh, gore factor. If If the gore... They weren't trying to outdo the gore, and it just would have kept it simple like they did in part one. It would be, it would be excellent. It'd be almost the same score as number one. So number one, I gave a four point what four point nine nine, right? Because I said it was almost perfect, uh, because of so many different levels of why it was almost perfect, uh, but I couldn't give it the full perfect score based on the timeline problems. Uh, and stuff like that but this one is definitely one star lower but I'm not going to give it like a 3.99 I would just say let's just say if part one was a five this would be a four or if part one was a four and a half this would be a three and a half it's one star lower than the original because this is as close to the original as you're going to get the same shots I mean John Carpenter Deborah Hill uh, the writing uh, the storyline number one and two it's basically this number one and two work perfect together. If you never watched any of the movies after part two, that's it. You can just say, I've seen the the two best Halloweens of Call of Duty. Because H2O is very, very good. But I have some problems with H2O. More problems with H2O than I do with Halloween 2. But Halloween 1 and 2, if you were just to watch that and call it a day, that's it. I would say you've seen the best of the best of the Michael Myers series. So... Um, so one star lower than the original, uh, excellent sequel. I highly recommend you rewatch that sucker. And when I get the Blu-ray, uh, I'll do a quick review on that because supposedly it's supposed to have the TV, um, scenes on there. But the problem is, is it's hard to find because what happened is Mustafa Kad, who's the producer of the film series, he, uh, he died tragically in a terrorist attack. And he's, he said that he would take Michael Myers to 22. That was his thing. Donald Pleasant says he would be in 22 Halloween films. So Mustafa Kad said he would have Michael Myers in 22 films. This really started with part four. And I'll get into that, why Michael Myers came back and all that good stuff. But he is basically the reason why the Halloween series started to get watered down. Because he knew he was going to make 22 of these bad boys. So he started throwing in random crap that would have to eventually move on to the next sequel little by little uh, and then eventually things got real crazy but Mustafa Kad's name was removed from the credits where it said Mustafa Kad presents they put Universal Picture presents so there was a big controversy there was a big let's ban Halloween 2 kind of thing and and what they're doing is they're actually going to come out with a new Halloween 2 DVD uh, Blu-ray but if you can get your hands on the Blu-ray uh good for you the cover looks amazing uh, i've been trying to find it on amazon and ebay but i haven't found it at the price i want to get it i wanted to get it at walmart where i knew it would be cheap but i will eventually get my hands on it and give you my thoughts on uh on the blu-ray there all right so that's pretty much a wrap on halloween 2 let's go ahead and get into some emails and i'm super excited about these emails because usually i get like one email like every five or six episodes but this time i got three and it's some good times. So I'm going to start with my first one here. I got uh, got Sebastian uh, from New Market Canada writes in again. And uh, here's what he had to say about Halloween 2. He goes, this is Sebastian from New Market Canada. 
heard an interview from back in the 70s after the release of Halloween 2 that Carpenter felt that the Michael Myers story finished with the sequel and that any sequel had to steer away and uh, part 3 did that now yeah sir uh, that is true uh, as I mentioned before John Carpenter just wanted to do uh, a Twilight series basically and here's here's the deal here's what happened um, after part 3 was a humongous failure I mean basically if you watch part 3 and you don't associate it with uh, with Halloween or Michael Myers. The movie is pretty good by itself. I mean, it has that awesome, ridiculous, crazy, stupid shamrock, <laughs> silver shamrock song. It's ridiculous. Time kids, the clock is ticking. Be in front of your TV sets for the horathon and remember the big giveaway at nine. Don't miss it and don't forget to wear your masks. The clock is ticking, it's almost time. But basically after, you know, the huge failure of Halloween 3, which is basically because the fans didn't get Michael Myers and uh, they were just complaining, uh, they they went back to John Carpenter and said, look, we're bringing back Michael Myers because that's what Mustafa Akkad said, you know, I'm bringing back Michael Myers. He's, and John Carpenter said, look, this is my idea. Uh, what you should do is, and, and I actually like this idea, for part four what they were going to do is, is have Michael Myers come back as a ghost. Uh, what he was going to do is basically haunt the town of Haddonfield on Halloween. And it was going to be like this real supernatural, scary ghost story. The producers didn't like it. They're like, no, Michael Myers has to be in it. John Carpenter basically said, screw you. you know, And he wiped his hands with the series. But he still got uh, with rights of the films, basically, with it because he created it and all that good stuff. He still got uh, money in the bank every time they made a new one. But... After after they didn't like that idea, they basically, you know, that's how you got Halloween 4 and 5. And Halloween 4 was actually, uh, was written within a week because of a writer's strike that was coming up. So that's why the writing is kind of poor in Halloween 4 in certain areas. And uh, so, yeah, you can pretty much blame Mustafa Cod for why John Carpenter didn't come back to the series. But, uh, and so he goes on and saying that uh, the fans hated it and wanted Michael back to kill and kill again. So they returned Michael for all the sequels. So that's pretty much all I had to say. And uh, so, yeah, thank you, sir, so much for writing in. Uh, always a good time to hear from you. So the uh, the next email comes from John from Philly. And uh, he says, great new Halloween. He goes, hello, sir. Uh, very entertaining podcast. And uh, I am not even a horror fan. Well, thank you, sir. For uh, It's always good to hear from you. And uh, we talk all the time on Facebook and stuff. And uh, it's kind of cool that you're not a horror fan, but you're digging this series so far. 
He says, but after looking at John Carpenter's filmography, I just noticed I liked a lot of his movies. So here is my list of favorite movies from John Carpenter. Escape from New York, Christine. Christine is is great. I flippin' love that movie. Um, excellent times. And, and, you know, we have Mike in there from My Science Project. We have Keith Coogan in there, which uh, he's a good time. He plays Arnie. Um, he is in Jaws 2. Uh, he's one of the kids in Jaws 2. He would go on to be in The Legend of Legend of Billie Jean with Helen Slater, which uh, has an amazing, amazing song from Pat Benatar, uh, flipping called Invincible. So you know I'm going to be doing that movie soon. And, uh, and yeah, he was in Back to School, Rodney Dangerfield, uh, Good Times. Christine is awesome. The Philadelphia Experiment. I actually haven't seen that one. Starman, uh, that's with Jeff Bridges. That's a good movie. Big Trouble in Little China, flippin' love it. Uh, They Live. I flippin' love They Live. Okay, we have Rowdy, Rowdy Piper. Um, we have Keith David. Keith David is such good times. And that's the guy I was telling you about from Armageddon. This guy's flipping amazing, man. He is one of my all-time favorite uh, character actors. He's flipping awesome. Uh, and that's where basically you put the sunglasses on. You can see aliens. But if you don't have the sunglasses on, you can't see the aliens. Flipping awesome movie. Escape from L.A. And Vampires. John Carpenter's Vampires gets a bad rap. I don't know why people don't like that film. Uh, we flippin' have Thomas E. F. Griffin in that film from The Karate Kid 3. Flippin' great movie. Uh, it's got James Woods in it. Uh, excellent. I love Vampires. Good movie. He goes, yeah, I know. No one asked for a list. I was just surprised at myself for liking a lot of movies from a horror director when I'm not even a big fan of horror. John from Philly. Well, John, here's what I suggest, sir. Um, in regards to horror films... For Halloween, I'd say watch Halloween 1, watch Halloween 2, and if you really, really dig Halloween 2, watch Halloween H2O. And then after that, call it a day. Um, and then in regards to like uh, werewolf movies, watch Silver Bullet, watch Dog Soldiers. Uh, excellent, excellent movies. You know, Jason and Dan on Flicks just reviewed Silver Bullet. Uh, just came out today, uh, and they they gave a really great review. And they were right; it's definitely a segue into werewolf movies because uh, it's a simple story. It's not uh, not too heavenly violent, um, you know, grotesque, you know, that kind of thing. It's a very good segue where you basically could let your older kids watch it, and that would get them into werewolf movies to watch the more hardcore kind of stuff. So so good times. That that's what I would suggest for you, sir, is to uh, watch Halloween. We won for sure Halloween 2 and H2O and call it a day for the Halloween series. So, uh, and then my uh, my last email, and, and this is this is a good one. I, I definitely needed I definitely needed this one today because I tell you I was feeling kind of down and out, and uh, I'll get into that while I'm reading this email. And uh, it comes from John MC. Uh, he says, "Hello, Miss Tunis." He goes, "This is John MC writing in about your rant." And if you don't know what he's talking about, the last episode I had a rant, uh, the Monster Masoonist rant, which um, I have to admit, okay, afterwards I published the episode, I was like, man, I don't know if I should have went off like that, uh, you know, because I have to admit, I've never been annoyed on the show, I've never had, it takes a lot for things to get to me, 
but things kind of built up especially this week and after just hearing consistent stuff over and over I just finally kind of just got real annoyed and mad and just felt you know what this is the place to do it because who hasn't ran it at least once on their podcast so you know what I felt it was my time I was hoping to be my last time so I felt kind of bad about it and uh you know, and we're friends on Facebook, and I was like, dude, I, I hope I didn't come across like a jerk or anything like that. And, and he, he wrote in about my rant, and here's what he said. He goes, you're absolutely right to go off. It's not fair that people think that you only like the 80s and all other stuff sucks. I will say, the best thing about this podcast is that you do talk about 80s and 90s movies. But you also add input on movies of today, which is really cool. If you did more current movies, I might not be listening because I already have three or four podcasts that talk about movies out now. I don't need someone else talking about Drive and Moneyball. No one talks about the 80s unless they're bringing it up in passing and never goes into detail about them. So keep up the good work and I can't wait to hear more reviews on the 80s, 90s or whatever. Thanks for your time and I'll try and email more. John MC, Upper Darby, Pennsylvania. And uh, and I'll tell you, when I read this, I was super, super pumped, and I was super happy. And he goes on to say, P.S., loving the Facebook movie reviews you put up from time to time. Others should stop by and like it. Okay, here's the deal. If you're not already a fan on Facebook, um, you just type in Sweep Delay Podcast in the search menu. And uh, usually once a week, I find a new movie that comes out, and, and I watch it with the wife. And I put up a mini review on Facebook. You know, like I just recently did a horror fest with the wife and I watched Let Me In, uh, Let the Right One In. Uh, I watched uh, John Carpenter's The Ward. I watched the Amityville Horror with, uh, with Ryan Reynolds. And, uh, and, I, and I threw up my, my mini reviews up there, just kind of what I thought, uh, if I, you know, give it a recommend, not recommend. And, and, I, and I do that all the time because there's movies that come out that I think are good, but I just don't want to spend a whole entire episode on. So I'll go on the Facebook page and I'll throw up my review. So uh, if, you, if you're not already there, go to the Facebook page, like it. So that way when I throw those reviews up there, they'll hit your Facebook feed. And if you agree with it, great. If you don't, go ahead and give me some feedback. I'd love to hear your thoughts and reviews on it. That would be, that'd be excellent. And he goes, PPS. He says, are you, have you finished watching the Walking Dead webisodes? Uh, here's the thing, sir. Um, Walking Dead, I saw the first two episodes on AMC and I was like, oh my gosh, how can they possibly get away with this much gore? Flipping awesome, especially the horse scene where they're eating out the horse. I'm like, that's disgusting, but it's awesome. I never got a chance to go back and finish it. So I'm planning on doing a series rewatch because I know season two is starting up so that way I can get into it. I totally dig it. I loved it. I thought it was, I thought it was awesome. Uh, but the webisodes, I haven't finished watching those yet. But as soon as I do, I'll let you know and I'll put a review up there. And and I just want to say about my rant, um, I never meant to offend anyone. Um, it wasn't really to anybody in particular. It was just more of the, the stereotype that seems to be coming across. Here's the thing. This podcast for me is fun. And I want to review fun movies, okay? I don't care what year they're from. I don't care if they're from the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s. I want to do movies that are fun, movies that I like, and most of all, movies that not a lot of people are reviewing. You know, that's kind of how I want to, how I think I set apart. And it seems to be what my fans are saying to me is that that's why they like my show because I did Howard the Duck. You know, I did 
the the heavenly kid. I did movies that are really cool, uh, but not a lot of people are doing. And and that's what I'm going to continue to do. You know, if the movies are from the '80s, so be it. You know, if you don't like it, just stop listening. Okay, I'm going to keep doing '80s movies. I'm going to keep doing '90s movies. I'm going to do 2000s. I'm going to do whatever I'm in the mood to do it. I mean, like I said on Facebook, I'm going to be doing an Emma Stone series. You know, I flip and love Emma Stone. She's easily become one of my new favorite actresses. I love Zombieland. I love Easy A. And I'll tell you right now, Easy A is by far my favorite movie of the year that I've seen. Granted, it came out at the end of 2010, but out of all the movies I've seen this year, Easy A is my number one movie. It'll be hard for anything to top that movie. And uh, I, I think she's excellent. And uh, that's a series that I'm going to be doing. And there's no 80s movies in there. But you know what? There are, Zombieland is super, super fun. Okay, Armageddon was super, super fun. So that's the thing. You know, I'm going to keep doing movies that I dig, that I think people will dig, and especially pick movies like Masters of the Universe. How many people out there have reviewed Masters of the Universe? Not a lot of people. Yeah, there's a million Ferris Bueller's Day Offs and there's a million Back to the Futures, but those are still good and it's good to hear different people's opinion. So I just want to let the people know that, you know, um, you know, Larry, one of the guys on, on the Facebook page, says, you know, you keep bringing the classics and I'll review you on iTunes. And I promise that, you know, I'm going to keep bringing the classics i'm going to be doing short circuit one and short circuit two soon you know robocop uh you know just super fun movies and uh and just see if they hold up today you know are they as good as they were when i saw them as a kid you know that kind of thing you know nostalgia is always a big thing to go back to and reminisce about your childhood and stuff so i just want to get that clear that if i've offended you in any way i do apologize it wasn't necessarily directed to anybody in particular it was just the general consensus that i was feeling and uh you know i'm a big jokester you know i joke with people all the time uh I, especially you know my podcast buddies ty and jason and dan you know we joke around all the time very sarcastic and uh you know on doomcast they give me a lot of hard time and and i give them a hard time back you know it, it it's good times i i have fun um you know show me to winston we all you know in the chat we all us get together and we start ripping on each other it, it's all good fun times and uh and i don't mean anything negative by it but at the same time i just don't want this to be well mike you only do 1980s and you think everything sucks you know that's the that's what pissed me off was was think were people thinking that i think things are crap and when i clearly don't think that so that's all that i wanted to get the point across and if i came across rude and offensive i apologize i love all my fans i love doing this show it's super fun and uh, I thank all the all the people that always are interactive with me on Facebook, and and you guys are awesome, and uh, it's an honor to do this show, and I just wanted to to put that out there, and uh, and it's good times, and uh, I'm super excited because uh, later this month, me and Ty are gonna get together and we're gonna review The Crow. Hopefully, Stars can make it. She's got a lot of she's real busy, especially with school and stuff, and Jason. Is currently making a movie right now, and and he's real busy too. Uh, Jason's gonna come on eventually. Uh, we're gonna do a real fun movie. We haven't decided what movie we're gonna do yet, but whenever things start to slow down, we're gonna get together again. And and I won't have any audio problems like I did that one time. Uh, I had that fixed, and I know what happened. So I'm just super excited for the future. And uh, any movie that you want to hear, give me suggestions on. Uh, please throw my way. Um, and like I said, I have 
just because I gave that rant doesn't mean that I'm changing my format or I'm not going to be reviewing classics or 80s or any of that stuff. I didn't want to give that impression. I just wanted to say that it wasn't my you know, it wasn't my first love and all that kind of stuff. So that is the premise of my show is I'm going to do fun movies, movies that aren't that uh, aren't that popular or more cult based films, just stuff that I, I know people like, but it's not, you know, it's not gigantic, huge, you know, uh, Wizard of Oz, Titanic, you know, Batman Begins status, you know, that kind of thing. So. So that, that's pretty much all I had to say. Thank you guys for the emails. I really, really appreciate it. I love hearing from you guys. So if you want to write in, it's sweepdelaypodcast at yahoo.com. On Twitter, it's STL, uh, STL Podcast. And, uh, and that's basically it, guys, for the emails. Let's go ahead and get into the music spotlight. All right. So I do have to admit for the music spotlight, I didn't have anything special like you know I did the last episode with Vanilla Ice. But uh, I do have one song that I've been jamming to uh, recently. It's you know in in my iTunes I have a top 25 uh, you know most played and there's like one song I've played over like 455 times and and stuff like that. But there's one song that is super fun for me. It's by uh, No More Kings. And uh, if you didn't know, they're the guys that. Do do the theme song uh well they do the song sweep the lake which is my theme song that i took and made part of the show and uh they have a song called michael jump in uh, i love no more kings because you know they they dig the nostalgia factor um they love karate kid they love knight rider and what the song is about is uh basically a song from kit's perspective if it's basically kit talking to michael about how how fun it is to be together and how cool I am and and it's just it's an excellent song and if you never heard it before I want you to check it out especially if you're a big fan of Knight Rider because this song Flippin' Rocks and again it's called Michael Jump In it's a really good catchy tune uh, dig it a lot uh, go ahead and buy the album No More Kings you'll really enjoy it uh, again they're real nostalgic so they do a lot of talks about the 80s and, and cartoons and that kind of stuff real good real good fun time so that's uh, I'm going to throw that out to you guys but uh, expect next week to get the review of H2O which will be the last of the Laurie Stroh trilogy and then after that uh, we'll, The Crow will be coming to you at some point um, during the month I'm not sure when I just know it's going to be after the 18th because Batman Arkham City comes out that day which is going to be epic but also The Crow comes out that day so me and Ty are going to pick up the Blu-ray we're going to check it out and give our review on the Blu-ray and the movie and, and all that fun stuff and uh, it's going to be good times because you know I'm not a singer Ty's a singer so I'm sure there won't be a music spotlight that day because he's going to be singing the whole episode and I'm looking forward to it it's going to be good times and he likes to call the show Sweep the Floor which is absolutely hysterical and now he starts calling me Beavis now which hey that's cool I dig Beavis you know Beavis Butthead's coming back on TV so I'm excited so but that's the topic for another discussion so hope you guys enjoyed the episode and I will catch you guys next week when we review the last part of the Laurie Strode trilogy on Halloween H2O 20 years later you guys take care this is Masunis out Michael is 
got that look like he's in too deep. That's just like him. Truth be told, he needs a good night's sleep. He's not in the mood for a metaphor. Open up the car door and just turn the radio on. So long, Michael. It was nice to see you too. We see it all the time, so keep it coming. But our necks are on the line. That's not funny. Jump in, let's save the world. Pick up your shoes and put on your sunglasses. Jump in, let's save the world. Turbo boost and we'll see who's the fastest. Jump in, let's save the world. Could ever mess with me I'm too hot for a thermometer Look at the speedometer See me, brother, if you Come on, Michael This is what we're meant to do We see it all the time So keep it coming But our necks are on the line And that's not funny Jump in, let's save the world Pick up your shoes and put on your sunglasses Jump in, let's save the world Boost and we'll see who's the fastest Jump in, let's save the world Let's, let's save the world Jump in, let's save the world Let's, let's save the world I still believe that you were born to take the lead Come on, let's save the world Save the world Yeah, you and me, we've got our promises to keep Come on, let's Side Come on, Michael. Open the door and jump in. 